0: Hey there, welcome to Scattered Saints Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We have another amazing sermon this morning, this time from Pastor Jeremy Wolfram from our Spruce Grove and Stony Plain locations. He's going to bring us an amazing sermon from our essential series called Essentials, the Gospel. And uh, why don't you just sit back and enjoy the sermon. So good to be with you today. We're going to continue our series that Pastor Brett kicked off last week called Essential. We're trying to look at the basics of our Christian life, of what it means to walk with Jesus, and how do we make the basics beautiful? Because oftentimes we get so caught up in so many things that we forget what's necessary, what's essential, and what actually leads us closer to Jesus. Today I want to turn in our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5, uh, and we're going to talk about a guy named. Naaman it says that Second Kings 5 verse 1 says, The king of Aram had high admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Now, groups of Armenian raiders had invaded the land of Egypt, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go and see the prophet in Samaria, and he would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said, Go and visit the prophet, the king told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you and carry it to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out by taking gifts, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, 10 sets of clothing. And the letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman and I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read it, he tore his clothes and dismayed and said, This man sends me a leper to heal him. Am I God that I can kill and give life? He's only trying to find an excuse to invade us again. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard about the king's reaction, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman with his horses and chariots uh, went and he waited outside the door at Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and he stalked away. I thought he would surely come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy, call on the name of the Lord his God, and heal me. Aren't the Abana River and the Farpar River of Damascus better than all the rivers of Israel put together? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned, and he went away in a rage. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply to go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed, and his flesh became as healthy as a young child's and he was healed. So then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God and they stood before him. And Naaman said, I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Now please accept my gifts. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. Why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you today that your word speaks to our hearts. It speaks to our lives. Uh, God, even when we're on this journey and we don't really know yet what it is to have a relationship with you, we can find ourselves in the story of scripture because, God, you want to do something in our lives and show us how you care and how we have a relationship with you. Jesus, I pray that by your word, we will hear your voice today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. I think we've all been in that place where one time or another we've said to God or we've said about God, if he would just do this for me, if this would just work out, if my situation would get better, if only then it would be easier for me to serve Jesus. Those of us who have been walking with Jesus for any period of time, I'm sure we've said this so many times in our walk with Jesus and, and for some of us, for some of you who are watching and listening right now, you have said in your heart probably at one time or another, if Jesus or if God would fix my marriage, if he would help me in this situation, if he would heal my loved one, if he would cure cancer, if he would do something like this, if he would do something great, for sure I would i would give my life to jesus and i think we've all at times had this proverbial pony or this this thing that we've said that it would make everything better Right, Like the ultimate dream of having a pony or maybe for you it's a, a Mustang or it's a Porsche or something like that. There, there's something in your mind that if I had that or if this happened, everything would change and I would just be content and happy and everything would be great. And I think in life what we've done is we we've placed these proverbial ponies as it were or these situations before God and we've decided in our minds and in our hearts that if that changed it would be so much easier to do the things we're supposed to do, to lead our families, to follow God, and do what He asks of us. But Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like God treats us like that? I mean, we don't often say it out loud or we don't after often admit it, but I think sometimes because of our human nature and our human experience, And our desire to see things changed and fixed because that would make everything click in our heart, in our mind and say that, okay, this is working because the things that I wanted to happen have worked out. Have you ever turned that and flipped it around and thought that God looks at you the way we look at him through our human experience? I mean, what I'm saying here is, do you ever feel like for God to love you for God to bless you, for God to lead you and, and do the things that He said in the Bible and in Scripture in your life, that He's expecting something from you? Have you ever thought that, well, if I, if I got this right, or if I didn't struggle with this, or if I could sort all of these things out in my life, then, then God would receive me and God would treat me like everyone else. And I think I think what we've done often is put God in the box of our human thoughts and our human actions and our response to say, because we often think that if God did something great, I would serve him. And we think that sometimes if we did something great for God, then he would love us more. Some of you have not attempted to have a relationship with Jesus because you feel like you're not good enough. You feel like you haven't done enough to deserve his love. But what we have to get back to is the essentials of the gospel that show us what it means to live and walk with Jesus. Often in our expectation for God to do something great or or perform something for us, we can get trapped and feel stuck and hung up in our lives because we're expecting something. We're continually struggling and saying, God, if you would just make this go away, it would be so much easier to follow you. And maybe we're all a little bit more like our friend Naaman than we think. You see, here's what we know about Naaman. Naaman was a great leader. Naaman was admired by kings. People knew his name. People knew who he was. The Bible actually says God even used Naaman to lead people into freedom and he led the armies to victories. Naaman was a great leader. Naaman was a respected man. Naaman was revered by people. He was followed by his soldiers. He was held in high honor, but most notably, Naaman was a leper. Naaman was a leper who struggled to find wholeness in the way that God provided for him. Now, what do I mean by this? I think what we miss sometimes in Scripture when we gloss over these stories and we see these things, we hear, oh, well, Naaman was a leper. Okay, so he had this disease. He had this skin disease. But what we need to remember is leprosy was a skin disease that would start eating away and decaying at your flesh till eventually you would lose a limb uh, or you would lose part of your arm or your leg or a chunk of flesh out of your body and it would eventually spread if it could not be stopped and it would deteriorate and decay at your whole self. And I often think about Naaman's leprosy and we think about this guy who's doing everything and anything he can to be a great leader, to be respected, to move through life. He's got a family and he can't do anything to stop this disease on his own. And it's how it is for you and it's how it is for me. The sin state of humanity, the sin that's on the inside of every single one of us, it begins to eat away and it begins to deteriorate and it begins to move in our lives and there is only one cure for it. There is only one place we can go because whether we are a great leader, whether we're respected by many, whether you're a king or a servant, we all have in common that there is something desperately wrong on the inside of humanity that can only be cured by coming to Jesus. And Naaman wrestled with his leprosy. He would have done anything he could to make it better. It says he brought all these gifts. He brought gold. He brought silver. He brought clothes. He would have given up everything to see this stopped in his life. But the crazy thing in the story is, is when he gets to Elisha's house and Elisha sends his assistant out to say, well, yeah, this is what Elisha said. He said, just go down to the river, wash and you'll be healed. And Naaman's thinking, "But I'm I'm a leader of the army. He should respect me." Like he didn't even have the audacity to come to the door and talk with me himself. He sends his assistant, his intern, the guy that's helping him out to tell me what to do, and he says that he got angry. Says that he got angry and furious, and he went away. Verse 11 of 2 Kings chapter 5 says this, but Naaman was furious and went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he'll surely come out for me. If the the, the prophet of God should come and have a coffee or a face-to-face meeting with anyone, it should be me. And then he's going to pray to his God, and he's going to wave his hand over my leprosy like it's some form of magic trick, and I'm going to be healed. This is what he expected. He wanted this great act. He wanted this great miracle. And so he became furious and he became angry. And can I tell you today that no matter who we are or where we come from, the reality is as we struggle with this disease of sin and this separation from God's best for us. But when we hear that God has made a way for us to be whole, to have a relationship with Him. The very basic foundation of the gospel that God so loved the world that He gave His Son so whosoever believes on Him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. When we hear that there is a way for us to stop the spread of our sin and it's by coming to Jesus, many of us, many of us get angry. We can even get offended We think, well, it's gotta be more difficult than that. We think that maybe God's asking too much and and we struggle with the method and manner and the basics of the gospel of what it means to come to Jesus. And yet Naaman's servants come along, the guys in the army around him, the men that he walks with that know him, that love him, and they say, Naaman, if the prophet would have asked you to do some great thing, go on a quest, go on a journey, go find a cave on the other side of the mountain and find a special plant and bring it back and mix it with something and create this drink that's going to heal you. If If the prophet would have asked you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? And so they said, so why when he says just go wash And be healed, is it so difficult for you? I believe that often in our lives when it comes to relating to the gospel, to the grace of God, we miss the essential principle of God's grace because we're clouded by the ideas that we have to get our life together. We need to do something great for God. We need to fix some things before we approach Him, before we come to Him. And the gospel says this. We come to Jesus We confess with our mouth. We believe in our hearts. We ask him to cover our sin. Forgive us. We are washed and we are cleansed. And we are made whole by the grace of Jesus. But yet we got caught up in this distraction thinking that it requires some amazing, great act for us. And what I want me to remember and what I want you to see from the story of Naaman is this. The very picture of the gospel is explained in Naaman's situation. When the servant says, Wash and be cleansed. What we need to see through scripture and through the grace of God, what is essential to us walking with Jesus, that it's not about us doing something great for God, it's not about some prophet or man of God doing something great to bring us close to God. But it's about the fact that Jesus has already done the greatest thing that could ever be done. When he came, he lived among us, and he went to the cross, and he made a way for us. The truth is, is Jesus didn't wait for you or for me to realize that we needed help. Romans 5 verse 6 is when we were utterly helpless. Christ came at just the right time and he died for sinners. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus came and died for the people who are good, who would choose to be good, who would choose to follow him. He says, no, that he came and he died for sinners. Every single one of us. And he did it before we did anything for him. Then it says that he made the greatest exchange that He could ever make so we could walk with Him. We always talk about walking with Jesus one step at a time, that following Jesus is is a walk, it's a relationship with Him, and we follow Him one step at a time. And the reason we can do that is because He made this amazing exchange for us. See, Romans says that the wages of our sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Jesus took our death on the cross so we could have the life that he deserved as the Son of God. First Peter talks about how Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. You know, if we want to do something great, if we want to do and lean into the greatness of God, what we really need to do is become gra- grateful and thankful and lean into Jesus and say, I'm going to walk in what you've already done for me. He made the greatest exchange so we could live out a relationship with Jesus. The other thing that Jesus did, the greatest thing that he did, was he canceled the record of sin against us so we could be clean. I mean, the fact that our sin in the eyes of God through the cross, through Jesus, is canceled, it's dealt with, it's done, and we can start clean and fresh because of Jesus, I mean, it's pretty incredible. And we talk about how we're going to do something great for God. No, Jesus has already done the greatest thing that he could have ever done for any of us. Colossians 2 verse 13 to 14 talks about how we were dead because of our sins and our sinful nature wasn't cut away. But it says then, then God made us alive in Jesus Christ. He canceled the record. He canceled the charges against us and he took them away and he nailed them to the cross. If you want to talk about something great, we need to look at the greatest thing that could have ever happened for you or for me. And that's what Jesus did for us by stepping into humanity and dying on the cross. Why? So we would have to do all these incredible, great things for him. No, we get to be a part of what he wants to do in the earth. But the grace of God calls us to walk with him. And it changes everything. It shows us what is actually essential in a relationship with Jesus is embracing this fact. And the fact is this, that the simple steps of obedience are the structure of how we follow Jesus. The simple steps of obedience are the structure of how we follow Jesus. God isn't looking for your big gift. He isn't looking for your amazing accomplishments in life. He isn't looking for you to get it all together before you come to Him. What He is actually looking for is your simple step of obedience to respond to what He has already done for you. Naaman's story was not about the gifts that He brought to pay for His healing. It was not about the person who he thought he was. It was not about everything that he had accumulated or carried in his life. The turning point in Naaman's story was, could he simply be obedient to what God called him to? And if we follow Jesus one step at a time, the essential thing for us to lean into and live with, not only when it comes to Coming to Jesus for the first time. But what it means following Jesus every time, every day, every step of the way. Simple steps of obedience will bring us to the fullness and wholeness of God more than any great thing ever will. Actually, I would argue that any great thing that we do with God and for God are actually the culmination of all the simple steps of obedience that we take with him as we walk with him one step at a time. So what does this mean for us? What, what changes for us when we look at all this? Well, what I want you to know today is this, that you can't start from where you're not. You have to start from where you're at. If you have never had a relationship with Jesus, if you feel far from God, maybe you've been walking with Jesus for five years, 10 years, 50 years, you are called to start from where you're at. The Bible says this in James, that we draw near to God and he will draw near to us. It doesn't say that we fix everything that we have made a mess of and that we've broken in our lives, whether we've been following Jesus or not. It says that we draw near to him and he'll draw near to us. When we take a simple step of obedience, saying, Jesus, I'm going to come near to you. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to ask you what the next step is. The Bible says that God draws near to us. So you need to start where you're at. The second thing that I think we can do and we can lean into if we're going to take a simple step of obedience is that we can quit carrying the things we were never meant to carry. You know, one of the examples I always use when I talk about what it's like to carry sin or things around in your life when you know that God has better for you is this picture of capital punishment that the Romans had in the early turn of the century is that they actually would, if you murdered someone or you committed a heinous crime, they would strap the body of the deceased person to your body and their form of capital punishment was that you were sentenced to carry that dead decaying body around until the disease and the decay actually overtook your own immune system and you died because of that. It's horrible, it's a very gross picture, and we think, well, how could someone ever be so inhumane or do that? But can I tell you, When you carry things that God never meant for you to carry after He's extended grace to you, after you've received His forgiveness, after you've received His love, and you keep trying to hold on to sin, things that are hidden, things that are secret, maybe even things that are distracting you and pulling you away from what God has for you and the simple steps He will lay in front of you, it'll start to decay at your heart, at your spirit. You'll wonder why you feel frustrated and why you feel far from God. But some of these things, the Bible says that we're supposed to put off the old man, the old things, the old way we used to do things, and put on the life that Jesus has for us. And we do that one step at a time. We take simple steps. You know, Hebrews 12 says that we need to put off every weight and sin that so easily besets us or distracts us or causes us to miss the mark. You know, sin is really this term for missing the mark. And often there are things that frustrate or distract us or things that we're holding on to that keep us from walking in the simple steps of obedience with Jesus. And then we wonder why some days we're frustrated, we're we're embittered, where we're carrying things we weren't meant to carry, unforgiveness, all of this stuff. And what we need to do is come back to the grace of God, the essential place of the gospel that says, give it to Jesus. Lay it at his feet. Stop carrying what you weren't meant to carry. Sometimes that means repenting. It means this word to turn 180 degrees and say, God, I repent for going after the things I shouldn't be going after. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow you in step. I'm just going to turn. I'm going to draw near to you and I'm not going to chase that anymore. Romans 10 verse 3 to 4 says this, you know, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. This is what happens when we hold on to things that we aren't supposed to. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God. And I just want to ask you today, Have you had in your mind and in your heart that if I do this and this and that, then God will love me, then he'll receive me, then I'll be right with God? That's not the gospel. The gospel is to come to Jesus and receive his grace and his forgiveness for your sin and to put off those things and quit carrying them on your own, but rather to take a simple step of obedience and start walking with Jesus. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose of the law. So as a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. The simple steps of obedience, they're essential. They're the structure of how we follow Jesus. But the last thought I want to leave you with is something that was told to Naaman. And he was told, go and wash and be cleansed. And maybe right now while you're listening and while you're hearing what I'm saying, you would think, well, what does that mean for me? Well, if you have never received Jesus into your life, the Bible is very clear that you can confess your sins, you can receive the grace of God, His forgiveness, and He will cleanse you by His blood. The Bible talks about in the Old Testament, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins. That means that something had to take the place or pay the price for your sin and my sin, and Jesus did that. And it was the shed blood of Jesus on the cross that made a way for us to live clean and free from our sin, from our struggle, and to walk in the life that God has for us. For some of us, we've been walking with God for a period of time, and maybe we need to hear this again. Maybe we need to remember that a simple step of obedience is to wash and be cleansed. When was the last time we washed our hearts, our conscience, by the Word of God? By letting the Holy Spirit come in and speak to areas that we know we've been ignoring and we've not been dealing with. And it's adding to the frustration, it's adding to the feeling of being far from God. Can we get back to the basics? Can we let God by His Spirit and by His Word clean out the things that have been be- building up, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the hurt, the things that we weren't meant to carry on our own and can we lean into what God has for us? The Bible talks about how we were washed by His blood, washed by the Word and the Holy Spirit. But for some of you, I want to challenge you with this step and it's to be washed with the waters of baptism. Some people ask, why is it so important to be baptized? And the picture of Naaman going in and out of the water at the river is actually like this picture of baptism. And what we believe that when we identify with the grace of God, the essentials of the gospel, the simple step of obedience in the waters of baptism is this, that I'm going to turn from my own way. I'm going to put to death the way I used to be. And when I come up out of the water, I have a new life. I have a fresh start. God is washing away my sin, my frustration, the things that held me back, that held me captive. And I am stepping forward into a new life and a relationship with Jesus. And water baptism is a step of obedience into a full life with Jesus. If you want to get water baptized, contact us through scatteredsaints.ca because we would love to see you make that step. And we're going to talk more about these essentials of the faith. But as we close today, I want to pray for you, but I also want to pray for those who would like to make a decision to follow Jesus. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But we don't have to do anything great to receive Jesus. We simply need to respond to the greatness of of what He has done for us. He paid the price. He loves you. He wants to start a relationship with you. He wants to cleanse you of your sin and lead you in a life of wholeness and fullness because that's who He is. So if that's you, we're gonna pray a prayer together. You can click the link in the description. Uh, One of the online hosts will put it in the comment section. And there's just a link that talks about what it means to start a relationship with Jesus. But if you would, just repeat after me and we'll pray together. I wanna lead you in a step, a simple step of obedience to start that relationship with Jesus. So, So say, dear Jesus, I need you, I need you, I need you. I realize that I can't do anything great to deserve your love, but thank you that you did the greatest thing anyone ever could have done for me. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for paying the price. Thank you for dying for my sins. So Jesus, I give you my sin. I give you my shame. I give you my wins. I give you my successes. It's all yours. Help me to follow you one step at a time. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, my name's Sebastian. I'm one of the pastors here at West Edmonton Christian Assembly and Engaged Church. We're just so thankful you joined us today for this great podcast. If you want to know more about who Jesus is, why he came to earth, head over to scatteredsaints.ca slash Jesus. You can find more information about who he is there. And if you'd like to know more about who we are as a community, head over to scatteredsaints.ca. We would love for you to join us in person. And until next week, we'll see you later.